Well, that's kind of what we're talking about today. Um, we're going to talk about, is God's will success or failure? Now, you might think, what a stupid question. How ridiculous can you get? But unfortunately, with some people, it's not so obvious. You know, for some people, that question is not so obvious. So, as we continue to renew our mind, I believe I'm preaching to the choir today. But uh, anyway, it'll do us good to be stirred up and, you know, be, continue to keep our mind renewed in this area. So let's turn to 3 John, verse 2. Three John verse two. Beloved, I wish in the margin of my Bible it says pray. I pray above all things or desire above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Now I have it written at the bottom of the page there. The sign of a prosperous soul is peace, anxious for nothing, casting care, and standing on the word. Amen. So you also notice this when he says that thou mayest prosper even as prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. This is like a progressive thing. You know, this is a progress a, a progress, a work in progress in our lives. We don't just kind of jump from one point to another overnight. This is a, a process, but we're in that process. Now the word beloved here is used 106 times in the Bible and it's used 62 times in the New Testament. So that's talking about us. When you see the word beloved, that's talking about you, a child of God referred to as beloved or dearly loved, is an, another way of saying it in more modern English, dearly loved. And you know, when the devil tries to speak to us and tell us that you know nobody loves you, nobody loves me, that's just a lie of the devil, uh, you know, and that's what he wants us to think about and that's what he wants us to believe. But uh, you know, sometimes, uh, Children are a surprise to their parents, but we're never a surprise to God. Amen. God was never surprised. He chose us before the foundation of the world to be born when we were born. And in Jeremiah 1.5, it says, Before you were born, he knew all about you. He knew your heart. He knew what you would do. He knew that you would love him and believe on him. So let's say this together. I am dearly loved and I am never alone. Amen. So the more we think about that and the more we say it, the more we're aware of his love and presence and everybody else's love is just bonus. That's just extra. So he says, dearly love, I pray or desire above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. Now John was not just writing to this one man, uh, Gaius. Uh, if this is not the Spirit of God talking to all of mankind for all time and specifically Christian believers, uh, then it shouldn't be in the Bible. So we need to receive this as God talking to us. Now, the word prosper means to help on the road or to succeed in reaching. Uh, so you could just say another word for prosperity is success. If people don't like the word prosperity, then they can use the word success. But if you're against prosperity, then that means you're also against success, which uh, is just you know, uh, bizarre, you know, it, 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 that's just confusion. Um, 
So it means an ongoing progressing state of success and well-being. Now who in their right mind would be against success and well-being? Well, people who have been taught wrong and people who've listened to the lies of the devil. Um, that, that's the only way. Or, and, and, and people whose minds have been programmed with something other than the Word of God. That's the only way uh, people could be against success and well-being. Uh, if your prosperity, success, and well-being is not the will of God for you, then that would put God out of step with every other parent or grandparent on this planet. God would, God would be different from any other parent. Uh, would it please you if your kids got their car repossessed and couldn't afford to pay for their apartment? No. You, you wouldn't smile and say, boy, that really blesses me. You're, you're going to learn something now, you know. <laughs> No, you wouldn't say that. You know, if they're sick in bed and they can't go out and play and they can't be with your friends, you know, you, you don't say, that flu will teach you something this time. You're going to learn a valuable lesson. That really put a smile on my face. No, but there are people um, that, that accuse God of this all the time. Um, God is an intelligent being, and he speaks to us through his word and through his spirit, not through physical suffering and financial struggling. That is not the way God speaks to us. But people accuse God of this all the time. They'll say, God will allow you to suffer financially, and God will allow you to suffer physically, because they believe in some mysterious way it's the mysterious plan of God, and somehow it pleases him. And this is just man-made tradition. And Jesus said, traditions, these man-made traditions, make the word of God of no effect in your life. When, when people believe these traditions, it makes the word of God of no effect in their life. So... Does that agree with what we're reading in this verse? That it's somehow the mysterious plan of God for us to suffer physically and financially? No, it does not agree. It does not agree with this scripture and you have to ignore entire portions of the Bible to believe that. So success, prosperity, and well-being is what everybody out there is looking for and God is offering it. Now they have a different uh, system. A different, the world has a different set of rules and a distant, a different system for prospering. Uh, Christians spend tens of thousands of pounds to help their kids succeed in life. They spend hundreds of hours waiting to see doctors trying to be in good health. Yet entire portions of the body of Christ object to you prospering and being in health on God's system. It's hypocrisy. It's, it's hypocrisy. So when you hear somebody say, that could have been sold and given to the poor. Have you ever heard that statement before? Is it in the Bible? It is in the Bible. Yeah. That could have been sold and given to the poor. Who said that? But it wasn't Jesus. Judas. It was Judas. Since when? Because he was stinking money. Yeah, that's it. Since when does Judas become our example? But you will hear people quote that scripture, the scoffers and the mockers and the anti-prosperity crowd, um, that could have been sold and given to the poor. Now why people want to identify with Judas instead of Jesus or Paul, you know, is another example of confusion. But these people, um, you know, they have something to sell. Have they sold something and given it to the poor? If they've got two cars, why don't they sell one and, and give it to the poor? They got two refrigerators. Have they sold one and given it to the poor? No, that, that's never the case. 
it, they always suggest that you can sell yours, but they're, they've never sold anything themselves, you know. They haven't set the example. It's always what somebody else should be doing. And who made them the police over who should have what and how much? Uh, you know, the Bible says the way you judge others is the way you're going to be judged. So who made them the judge over everybody else? This is all designed to pull you away from the Word of God and get you to disconnect from entire portions of the Bible, which these people have had to do. They have had to disconnect from entire portions of the Bible. And I realize some people feel very strong about this, but they're also very wrong about this. Uh, what he's talking about here is prosperity on the inside and prosperity on the outside. Let's say that together. Prosperity inside, prosperity outside. It is my Father's will, let's say that, it is my Father's will that I prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers. Amen. So you believe that word and you don't believe anything else. And as your inner man prospers, your outer man prospers. The Holman translation says, Dear friend, I pray that you may prosper in every way and be in good health physically just as you are spiritually. Isn't that what everybody in the whole world wants? Why? Why? Why are Christians the ones that seem to oppose this? You know, we're the ones that should be setting the example for, for the world. The Amplified Bible says, Beloved, I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically, just as I know your soul prospers spiritually. Now let's turn over to Psalm 35. That's a familiar scripture, scripture for us. Psalm 35, 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which have pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Does it say God gets glory and God is magnified when you struggle financially or suffer physically? No, that's not what we're reading here. <coughs> but some people believe that it does. Somehow they believe God's getting glory by them being sick and suffering physically. Uh, they believe God's getting glory by, you know, struggling uh, and, and they're proud to be poor and all this. Uh, they believe that because of ignorance, deception, and confusion. This verse says we are to continually say, let the Lord be magnified, which takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Why do we need to say this continually? Because the devil is constantly trying to convince us otherwise. And he uses preachers, and he uses friends, and he uses family, and people in general, circumstances, to try to convince us otherwise that it is not God's will for us. <clears throat> so that's why it says we are to say this continually. And I, all this week, driving home from work, I took this scripture and it, it just began to come out of my spirit and I sang it and I said it and, you know, however you can declare it, I just, I just started saying it over and over and over, all the way home. Uh, you know, it was just in my spirit and it pleases God, it magnifies God, so, amen. So. Uh, you know, the devil's trying to convince you that God takes pleasure somehow 
in his warped mind, he takes pleasure in your pain and lack, and that your toleration of it is a sign of humility, godliness, and spirituality. And this is what the devil wants you to embrace. And it's ignorance, deception, and confusion. Now, let's turn back to Deuteronomy 28. That's another familiar chapter for us. Deuteronomy 28. And in this chapter, God lays out and he sets a contrast between success and failure. An entire chapter on success and failure and his will concerning this. God is not confused about what is success and failure. If you ask most Christians, does God want you to be blessed, you know, or if they want to be blessed. Let's say if you ask most Christians if they want to be blessed, most of them would say yes. But how can you be blessed without prosperity and success on a financial and a physical level? How, how, how are you going to achieve success without success on a financial and physical level? You cannot. Now verse 3, um, in verse 3, we're, we're not going to read this you know, word for word. We're just going to cover some high points here. Verse 3, he talks about success in the city and success in the field. Verse 4, the fruit of your body, your ground, your cattle, and sheep. That, that's your body, your business, your job, your assets and possessions. In today's modern language, that's the way we would put it. Verse 5, uh, blessed will be your basket and your store. Today we would say blessed and success in your bank account and savings account. We don't use uh, terms like basket and store anymore. Modern language, we, we have bank accounts and we have savings accounts. Verse 7, your enemies will be defeated. Verse 11, Plenteous in goods. Verse 12, rain on your crops. You'll be the lender and not the borrower. That means you're debt free. Amen. You're not dependent on the bank or, or anybody else. Uh, you, as a matter of fact, people can come to you and say, could you loan me 100 pounds? Sure, you know. I'll, I'll pay you back in the, at the end of the month or whatever. This is God's description of success and victory on every level. Materially, physically. It cannot be the will of God. Um, hold it. I, I, I want to I um, cover the curses as well here. Verse 15. Uh, it, it must be the will of God for us to prosper and be successful on every level because he connects it uh, here at the very beginning. He connects it with hearing and obeying the word. So it, it has to be the will of God. He connects it to hearing and obeying his word. Now in verse 16, um, he starts talking about the curses, or you, today we would say failure, really, would be a more modern day word. You don't hear the word curse so much anymore, but failure, everybody knows what that means. Cursed in the city, cursed in the field. Verse 17, cursed or, or failure in your finances, in your basket, in your store, failure in your bank account and savings. Verse 18, failure in your health. Land, flock, sheep, talking about your business, your assets, your possessions. Verse 20, cursing, vexation, rebuke and all that thy settest thine hand to. That would be failure. Everything you put your hand to fails. Verse 21, pestilence will cleave to thee. That's, a, 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 you know, bad health. Verse 22, consumption. Today, that's known as tuberculosis. 
fever, inflammation, physical maladies. Verse 24, defeated by your enemies. Verse 29, thou shalt not prosper. Be, you'll only be oppressed. Verse 30, you build a house and somebody else will live in it. That'd be pretty, that'd be gut-wrenching, wouldn't it? Plant a vineyard and somebody else will gather the harvest. This is God's description of failure on every level. And it cannot be the will of God because here he attaches a warning of not hearing and obeying his word. So, who wants you to fail and not have enough? The devil. The devil, yeah, our adversary. Who wants the church to fail and not have enough? The devil, that's it. So God is not teaching us something. These are lies from the father of lies. So we're having to take the word and turn around thousands of years of wrong teaching and, and constantly, continually do some mind renewal in this area. Now, back here to uh, Psalm 35, 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Now, we are God's children, but we're also his servants. And it should make you glad and joyful to find out that it pleases God for you to have success and well-being. This should make every Christian in the whole world glad and, and rejoice. But unfortunately, it does not. But anyway, that's them. That's their business. But we've chosen another path. Amen? We're taking the word way. Let's say this together. My father loves me. He takes pleasure in my prosperity. And it magnifies him. He desires for me to be successful. And be in good health. Even as my soul prospers. So let's make a little homework assignment here. Uh, take a post-it or take, I, I keep that laminated uh, little card back there in my purse. And every morning when I get to work early, uh, I sit out in the car for a while and I pray and I speak the word and, and I pull this um, little card out and I, that, that we say over our tithes and offerings here, I pull that out and I say it every morning I'm saying that. It'd be good to say it several times a day, but we, we don't need to let too many days go by without saying these things and speaking these things out over uh, our lives and, and charging the atmosphere around us. Uh, let's say this together. Prosperity and success, Prosperity is, and success. is part of pleasing God. Oh, now, most people... You know, don't think that way. When they, they say, oh yes, I want to please God, but they don't connect prosperity and success with pleasing God. Well, this, this, we're reading scriptures here that obviously tell us it does please God. He takes pleasure in our prosperity. If Christians only have enough for their own needs, then, you know, uh, we're not, we're not going to be able to expand the kingdom and reach other people and do the work of God, you know, and, and be a blessing to other people. So when you have a vision outside of yourself and you have a surplus, you have a surplus over and above your needs, then out of that surplus, you can serve God and you can serve others out of it. But if you if you just got a, enough to cover your needs, then it's, it's difficult, and God doesn't want us to struggle in that area. It's a blessing to receive and have your needs met, but it's another level of blessing. It's another level of blessing to have a surplus 
the more you can do. The more you can do, you go up another level of blessing and prosperity when you have a surplus. And that's, that's what we're aiming for. Let, let's write this down. God's way of prospering his people is through the word. God's way of prospering his people is through the word. There's no prosperity in God's system apart from the word. It will not happen. Now the world has a system of prosperity and success and a different set of rules and it says get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. That's the world system. Let's turn back a few pages to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man or you could say successful is the man, prosperous is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth, <coughs> sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now the word scornful means mocking and judging other people for what they are doing or not doing. That's scornful, to mock or judge other people for what they're doing or not doing. You could say critis constantly criticizing other people. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law or the word of the Lord and in his law, in his word, doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper or succeed. This, this is, this is a total, complete success scripture. There's, this is all success. This is a description of a successful believer, a prosperous believer. Those who meditate on the word regularly now let's turn back to Joshua 1, Joshua 1, <clears throat> 5. Now this is after Moses has died and Joshua has got to take Moses' place. Now that's a pretty daunting task. I mean, that's some big shoes to fill. And he's probably a bit nervous about it. Uh, and God comes to him and says in verse 5, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. In other words, no person is going to stand in the way of your success. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. That sounds a lot like what Jesus said when he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 6, be strong and have a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law or all the word uh, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper or do wisely, or be successful, whithersoever thou goest. Now the Amplified Bible says that you may prosper and be successful wherever you go. This is another total success. This is not only God expressing his will for success in his people, 
But here he's telling us how to do it. This is, he says, if you meditate on my word day and night, this is how you do it. Verse 8, this book of the law. Now the law is all they had at this time. The first five books of the Bible. That's all of the word of God they had. What we call the the law of Moses or the, the Pentateuch. That was all the law they had. Today we have all of God's word. We have the Psalms. We have the prophets. We have the gospels. We have the epistles. We have all of it. This book of the law or the word shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Now, this meditating in the word is something that we don't hear much about. Even in faith circles, you don't hear much teaching on meditating the word. And But it seems to me be very important to me. It it seems to be a a major part of of faith and prospering in God. And you don't hear much talk about it, really. But to meditate means, uh, to meditate on the word is the same process as worrying. But you're replacing the problem with God's answer to the problem. You're replacing the problem with what God says about the problem, his word. So to meditate means to think about, to dwell on it, to ponder, to imagine, and it also means to talk or speak to oneself. So speaking the word is connected with meditating on the word. That's one of the reasons why we speak these these words out uh, here. And, and we need to be doing this on a regular basis, not just once or twice a month here. That's, that's why he says, let them continually say. This, this needs to be uh, 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 an ongoing, regular uh, activity of ours. And it's part of meditating on the word. What you meditate on is what you spend your time thinking and talking about. That's an easy way to, to, I, to define what meditating is. It's what you spend most of your time thinking and talking about. Uh, now, some people might say, well, nobody can meditate on the word day and night. Well, everybody's thinking about something. <laughs> you know, there's not many minutes in the day where your mind is just a blank vacuum. Uh, Everybody is thinking and talking about something day and night. So the more we think and talk about the giants and the circumstances, the more they become magnified and the smaller God becomes. That they best observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then... Thou shalt have what? Good success. Amen. So this is the will of God, and this is God's prescription for success. The result of meditating on God's word is good success. Of all the things God could have said to Joshua, of all the things he could have said to him, this is what he said. If you're going to be prosperous and successful in this position that you're about to take over. Meditate on my word day and night. Of all the advice and instruction God could have given him, this is what he said. Let's write this down. God has given us his word to straighten out our thinking. God has given us his word to straighten out our thinking. So obviously being prosperous and successful is the will of God for his people or God would not have instructed Joshua here on how to obtain it. He he starts out here in Joshua's ministry telling him how to be prosperous and successful so it's obviously the will of God that, that his people prosper and succeed and not fail 
and the endeavors of life. So prosperity and success does not come from giving alone. It does not come from giving tithes and offerings alone. You must have the word of God in your mind and in your mouth. And that's why I print out these little cards and that's why we speak these things in the meetings. It's not just, you know, uh, to have something to do and fill in time. It's, it's, we're doing something spiritual. We're, we're releasing words. We're charging the atmosphere with God's word. So the things, the material things that make up the financial and material part of success and prosperity, these are the byproducts. These, these are the byproducts of hearing, speaking, and doing the word. Now, you know, if you've been at this even a little while, and you've been... Uh, you know, you've been speaking the word for a while, you will notice that your circumstances have improved. Amen? Every one of us, we can, we, that's been doing this for a while, we can all testify our circumstances have improved. Amen? So it, it works. Amen? But we're not seeking the things as it were, Jesus said, don't seek the things, seek the kingdom and pleasing God. And the things are the byproduct of seeking God in his kingdom, which includes his word. So outward prosperity is a byproduct or, or an overflow of inward prosperity. And this is why we put the word of God in our heart and we listen to it and we speak it it's to, it's to prosper our inside. It's to pro get us, that prosperity starts on the inside. It doesn't start out in your bank account. It starts on the inside. And then you begin to speak it and you begin to believe it and things begin to happen and change on the outside. So you remember the first generation of Israelites when the spies came back for, from surveying the promised land. What were the people meditating on in their tents? Giants, obstacles, wall cities, evil report. Not, not meditating on what God had said. Go, go, it, it's my will for you to have the land. Go take it. I will be with you. They weren't meditating and talking about that. Uh, they, they, they never a word about God being with them, never a word about God for, not forsaking them. Uh, it, it was all about the giants and the wall cities and the obstacles. How did it turn out for them? Failure. They failed to enter the promised land. Was it God's fault? No. Was it God's will? No, obviously not. Over in Hebrews 3, we won't turn there, but in Hebrews 3, talking about this first generation of Israelites, the Bible says that God was grieved with that generation and he was not pleased. So obviously, their prosperity and their success and their going into that land of abundance was part of pleasing God. And, and doing the will of God. That was the will of God for their lives. So right there, that should tell us success and prosperity pleases God. Now, the scoffers and the mockers and the scornful of, of Bible prosperity and success, they have their minds programmed with something other than the Word of God. That's the only reason that, that, that they could believe and say the things they do because that, that's the only way a human being could think that financial struggle and, and physical struggle and lack and failure could be the will of God. You, you can't read the Bible and, and get that. You, they, they have to be listening to something else. Some other information has already, their mind has already uh, grasped 
and clung on to, to some unscriptural information. They don't associate prosperity and success with the word. The, the, the connection is never made there. They never connect success and prosperity with the word of God. So for, for Christians that think being poor and never having anything and doing without uh, somehow is the will of God and pleases God, that's their choice. But then they ought to be the first ones to liquidate all their possessions and live that way. You know, why don't they live that way? They suggest other people should live that way, but they don't liquidate their possessions and they don't live that way. So it's, it's, it's hypocrisy because they don't practice what they preach. Now going back here to Joshua 1.8, meditate, think, and talk about the word day and night. Isn't that the same words we read in Psalm 1? The blessed, the prosperous, the successful meditate on the word day and night. Same thing in Psalm 1 verse 1. That also agrees with what we read in Psalm 35, 27. Let them say continually. You could say, let them say day and night. That's continually. If you're doing it day and night, that's continually. Now, these words, day and night, these words, continually, when it says say continually, when it says day and night, you know, people might say, well, nobody can do it day and night. What we're talking about here is a lifestyle. It doesn't mean every minute of every day you're, you know, necessarily speaking a scripture from the Bible. It's talking about a lifestyle, developing a lifestyle of thinking and talking about and focusing on the Word of God and, and keeping it uppermost in your thoughts. Most people are very highly developed in meditating on problems and obstacles. And, and that comes naturally. That comes naturally. We've been trained all of our lives. The devil, through circumstances and people and environment, has trained us to where most of us you know, before we got in the Word, we're especially highly developed in meditating on the problem, and that's what we call worry. That's just another word for meditating on the problem, and that takes no effort. We're, and most people find that very easy. Uh, but it takes mental discipline to form a new habit of focusing your thoughts and your words on what God said. So as soon as you begin to notice your mind drifting over, you know, on, on the situation, jerk it back, say no, pull out your post-it note, stick your post-it note on your dashboard of your car or on the bathroom mirror or somewhere where you'll see it on a regular basis. Because all these preconceived ideas and unscriptural information that you've heard from preachers and parents and grandparents and friends, your mind received that in the past as the truth. And we've spent years becoming highly developed and meditating on the problem and accepting these things, these unscriptural things, as the truth. And they're not the truth. So it takes a period of time to reprogram your mind and your mouth with the Word and replace that old information with the will of God. It's kind of like deleting all the old information on a computer and uploading some new information. That's, that's really, because your mind really is a computer. And you've got to delete all that old unscriptural junk off there and you got to upload some new information from the Word of God. That's also why we we print out these cards and we speak these things out loud. Keep, keep those cards in your car. Put a post-it on your dashboard or something. If nothing else, just to make you aware 
When your mind and your mouth starts going another direction, uh-uh, pull it back. So this is not something that comes naturally. We're going against the flow of the world uh, as we do this. You have to do this on purpose. So find a scripture that ministers to you personally, that really speaks to you uh, about your situation. Put it on the post-it on the dashboard or bathroom mirror. Say it out loud to yourself several times a day. Think about it. Apply it to your situation. See yourself being able to do that. Um, it's the same process as worry, but you just replace the problem with what God said about it. Now back to Joshua 1.8. We're, we're going to... We're, we're closing up here. But in verse 8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. In other words, this is to be a lifestyle. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. In, 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 in other words, as you meditate it and think about it and talk about it, this is all a part of being able to see yourself doing that and see yourself having that. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Did God say he would make Joshua's way prosperous and successful? No. No, God didn't say, I'm going to do this for you. God didn't say he would do it. He said, if you maintain a lifestyle to keep the word in your mouth, and in your thoughts, you will make your way prosperous. And you will have good success. Amen? Everybody say, you. <laughs> Me. Now, I quickly want to read this little testimony here uh, in this magazine. This is a, a little good little success story. Uh, if I can find it here quickly before we go. I should have had it marked. Here it is. Uh, God is my business partner. This is by a man, former senior vice president at Compact Computer Corporation. He says, in 1969, I told my fiance Carla what my financial goals were for the age of 30. Uh, he says, I had a vision for our family. In 1971, we were married and moved to Houston without a job or even a lead for one. I was hired at Texas Instruments for $3 an hour while attending night school at the University of Houston. To supplement our income, my wife cared for 10 children in our small mobile home. I graduated in 1978 with a business degree. When I turned 30 in 1980, my wife, two daughters, and I were just getting by paycheck to paycheck. I was born again the year I turned 30. It was a life-changing experience for me because I realized I had an advocate in Jesus. In 1981, we gave our first tithe check to establish a covenant with God. This financial event is etched in my memory as a turning point in my life. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day, Deuteronomy 8.18. In 1983, I received a call from a former boss asking if I would be interested in joining a small startup company in Houston. I felt a total peace about changing jobs. The company was called Compact Computers. At that time, it was nothing, just starting up. Nobody had even heard of it. I was hired as the Director of Manufacturing Control promoted in 1985 to plant manager, then to vice president of manufacturing in 1989. 
I became senior vice president of Worldwide Manufacturing and Quality in 1992, reporting to the president and CEO. Compaq broke its first record with over $100 million in sales its first year. It achieved Fortune 500 status in its third year, another first. In 1987, Compaq had $1 billion in sales, again the fastest a company has ever achieved this milestone. It then doubled to $2 billion in sales in 1988, the first time a company has gone from $1 billion to $2 billion in one year. The list could continue. I had found favor with God, a guy with a business degree and an environment of engineers. I had Christian pictures on my walls and I looked for opportunities to use scriptures in presentations or speeches. I wanted the light of Jesus to shine in the business world. The year 1992 was a new era at Compaq. We set high goals and aligned everyone in the company toward reaching them. By 1994, Compaq was selling more personal computers than any other company in the world. From a startup company to number one in the world in only 12 years was an answer to prayer. By promoting Jesus at work, uh, he had promoted me. I had become personally debt free in 1988. In 1991, I heard Brother John Evanzini preach on Mark 4:8, the law of abundance through the 30, 60, and 100-fold return. My wife and I gave $1,000 that night and prayed for the 100-fold return. In less than a year, our net worth increased over 100 times the offering. I am chairman of the board of an evangelistic outreach. Our vision is to reach one million people a month with the word of God. I have graduated from the American business world to God's economic world. Understanding the Abrahamic covenant was paramount in my moving higher with God. Galatians 3.29 says, And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What he has done for my wife and me, he will do for you. Believe it because it is in his word. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's say this together. Father, I am yours. I belong to you. I submit to your word. Get glory to yourself. Be magnified in every part of my life, including my finances and the material part. Show us your glory and let your goodness be seen in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.